This is a Think Live Be production. Good morning. Good morning. I can't even see you over there. The sun is coming in so brightly. You're, I know. you're in silhouette. Uh, it's it's early. <laughs> We're doing it early to make sure it happens. Um, last week we got time got away from us. Is that fair? Yeah. I don't even remember. I don't even remember either. There's a reason why we couldn't get to do the podcast last week and I don't remember what it was. Yeah. And so we apologize to our listeners that we missed a week. I think that's probably the only time we we've maybe once or twice more. Yeah. When we got married. Oh yeah. Right. Well, that's kind of, yeah. uh, You're allowed to do that. I think (laughs) you're allowed to skip the podcasting when you get married. Other than that though, it's, it's a big deal. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, onward. Um, yeah, we are not perfect, although we do time block as we talk about regularly. We time block this we even thing. Have, we even have a double time block. We do. We have, it's a backup, it's a backup. time block That's is what, what it is. Yeah. And we miss both of them. <laughs> and, and it's there because yeah, stuff happens. And so sometimes, you know, sometimes we don't hit that initial time block and then we do it the, during the next one. And that's what we're doing now, actually. Is yeah. The this is the backup. This is the backup time block. Um, so, anyways, it's bright and early, and who wouldn't want to talk about real estate? Real estate, right? At, at this hour, um, <laughs> so you're listening to our our podcast called "Seeking the Best," where we talk about how we overcome the personal and professional hurdles being in this crazy industry. Um, Excuse me. I'm Catherine Stelgis. I am the team owner of the Think Love B team here in Orlando, Florida. And across from me is my significant other, my husband. Mm. <laughs> he hates it so much. I promised I wouldn't do it, but it's so funny. Um, and our sound engineer, producer extraordinaire. He's our videographer, graphic designer. He's everything I need him to be. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> uh, that's Patrick Fatika. Hello. I'm everything but awake. I'm but awake right now, yeah. Um, but anyways, we're, yeah, we were... I, I am rereading the Millionaire Real Estate Agent book, which is literally, um, I think, and most people would agree if you read it, it's, it's like the real estate Bible. Like if you want to be an agent, a real estate agent, or own a team, you need to read this book. Not just read it. Read it again and again and again? Well, it's the only way. You have to read it, absorb it, and apply it. You can't just read it. Yeah. Well, because it's literally like somebody else went out studied hundreds if not thousands of agents doing real estate business at a high level interviewed them all figured out what were the common denominators amongst those people and then put a book together with how it's how 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 they they do it and created models like how do they do it on a daily today basis without yeah. even realizing you've ever, that they've structured models for their business. If you have ever woken up in the morning on a Monday morning and go, what am I going to do today? <laughs> Read this book. Yeah. <laughs> you, and you still might wake up on Monday oh, morning. Oh, no, you will. You will. <laughs> you will. At least you'll have like somewhat of a plan. Um, you just won't want to do it. You just won't. <laughs> that's that's right. How many times is it? Well, I don't know what to do today, but it's like, you know what to do. You just don't want to do those things. Well, that's right? true. That's 
That's true. Well, and that's true with any job. Of course. Like, Except the difference with this and, and any job, generally speaking, is you're your own boss. So there isn't any accountability if you'd say, yeah, I don't want to do that today. Well, you yeah. know, in fact, that's why a lot of people get into the business is because they want to do what they want to do when they want to do it. Mm-hmm. I will say that I don't want to get down a whole rabbit hole of accountability, but that is a whole separate thing. Yeah. Of like accountability versus coaching. And and when you are your own boss, it's like most people cannot hold themselves accountable. Yeah. It's why even the top producers have coaches. Well, I shouldn't say that. It's right? not that. Well, yeah. And, the, and then a coach is, is kind of different than like an accountability partner. I guess that's where I was saying. I didn't want to get down right. a rabbit hole with it. We can talk about that for hours. But there's when you first get started, you're holding yourself responsible and accountable to getting up every day and doing the job. And at first, I think there's there's enough excitement and momentum starting a new career that you do it. Mm-hmm. And then at some point you realize like either, <laughs> either well, you realize well, like well, chances are you're not seeing the results you thought you would see. Well, yeah. Or you realize like this is this is a job. Right. And, right. and it becomes monotonous and it's in and one of my favorite quotes and I'm going to bungle it because it's super early in the morning but it's essentially like you have to get comfortable with boredom Mm -hmm. um like that's mastery is being comfortable with boredom Mm -hmm. that's not the quote but it's something to that effect and that's something that everybody you want people get into this business because there's you're not supposedly going to do the same thing every day it's mm-hmm. exciting there's new clients there's new uh challenges and all that's true but the day-to-day activities are the exact same or they should be right and if they're not then you're doing it wrong <laughs> at least yeah when we say um you're you know those first four hours a day mm-hmm. should be exactly the same every single day i just re-listened to a um um, and sorry if I just gulped really loudly. <laughs> We're drinking our morning coffee. It's my favorite thing to do. Um, usually not while also recording a podcast. Right. <laughs> um, but I just re-listened to a, an episode of the One Thing podcast where Gar- Gary Keller just talks about his own personal habits and stuff. And he talks a lot about front front ending the week or um, front loading. Front sorry, loading. Yeah. sorry. Front loading the week and 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 also like loading your day you know the same way it's like if you can just have a perfect morning then all the other things that you maybe want to get involved in and you want to help with and all that stuff you have time for it Mm -hmm. if you just do that if you just build that one habit of of mastering the boredom that is like getting up and doing the same activities every morning until they're done but anyways i digress we're here to talk about the Millionaire Real Estate Agent book, the section that I promised we would cover this week is, I was going to say it's one of my favorites, but then I'm like, I like all parts of the book for different reasons. Nerd. I know. You're a nerd. I know. I'm starting to sound like one. <laughs> or am I just one? <laughs> yeah. Starting to. <laughs> um, but it's it's called the eight goal categories of a millionaire real estate agent. I think the reason I love it so much is because I, I realized when I read this once, because um, again, I've read it many times. There's different highlighter colors from the different times I've read this book. There's the whole thing is dog-eared. <laughs> like it's it's used. 
very heavily used. Let's just call yeah. it that. And if you were trying to sell that back to the bookstore in college, um, they wouldn't give you any money for it. <laughs> um, that is true. And but I think when I first the probably the first couple of times, I don't really remember this section. And it, it, but it's so important because it literally are the it's the numbers that you need to track and know in order to know if you are are doing or if you have a successful business, whatever that means to you. And so when I, I read this at one point and realized like, oh, I'm not tracking all of this stuff. I'm tracking some of this stuff, but not all of it. And I started really tracking these numbers. And, and then I'll tell you in a second something further beyond that. Um, like having a, what's the word I'm looking for? Like having an actual, um, goal for all, all eight of these things, instead of just, I want to set this many appointments or I want to close this many units. Like, that's great. You need to have a goal for the closings is usually like the one goal that people have, right? I want to close this many houses because they know what that leads to with money, Mm. um, or have some general idea. But there's so much more to getting to those closings. And so if you're not tracking all of the numbers, then you don't know, you know, if you're on the right track at any given moment. And the more you track, the more predictable it becomes. So this part of the book, I think this is why I say like, I read it, I understood it. I just didn't like fully grasp how important it was until some point when I read it in my career. And I said, huh, if I just track these numbers and I pay pay super close attention to them, I can actually have a more balanced life mm-hmm. because I'll know here's what it takes to work, you know, this many hours and do this much business. Okay, so I, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure exactly where you're going with this because I don't know what those, what those different things are. But um, what it sounds like to me is when you're talking about tracking. Um, like appointments or something because then you know how many closings that's going to lead to. And because closings are what your, what your goal is because then you know how much money you're making. Um, what you're talking about, what it sounds like is more on a micro level where all of that stuff is broken down into simple bite sized pieces so that it's easier to see um, where the problems are. Well, so that you can fix those things. So if it was if this whole thing was a car and it was out out in your driveway and was banging around making a noise, you'd be like, oh, the car is broken. And it's like, well, what part of the car is broken? Is it the you know what I mean? Is it part well, yeah. of is it part of the engine? Is it part of the AC? Is it part of the, the steering call? Like what part? So you're br- going to break this st- all of the if your real estate career and what you do every day is the car you're going to try to find break these things down into tiny little pieces so that we can if there is a problem it's easier to see where the problem is is that what you mean well i wasn't i'm not exactly and and yet like that is true knowing tracking these numbers and knowing them really well and knowing what they should be helps you diagnose issues for sure Mm. so i'm gonna say i'm gonna like say what the goal categories are because there's eight of them and then we'll just go through one by one and talk a little bit more about, you know, what I've kind of gleaned. Is that the right word? Sure. Gleaned from this book. Is it gleaned or gleam? Um, Glean. 
Well, there, there's uh, there's a movie from the 80s with Christian Slater called Gleaming the Cube where, <laughs> yeah. about BMX. Okay. Um, so gleam is a word. But not necessarily the word I'm looking for. Right. <laughs> okay. I missed that movie. I, that was maybe before my time. Yeah. Um, okay. The eight goal categories of the millionaire real estate agent. So these are things that you should track. Leads generated. Listings. Contracts written, contracts closed, money, people, systems, tools, and personal education. Those are the eight things that they determine after, you know, again, studying people, that these are the things that you should track to ha- to understand your business and to know where you are at all times. So the one thing is you, you want to track the goal number, like you're shooting for something, but you also need to track your actual numbers. And the actual numbers, I think, are what helps over time. Like if you started tracking at the beginning of your career, and then 10 years later, let's say, you've been tracking the whole time, you're going to understand really crystal clearly (laughs) um, how many leads you need to close X number of sales. Mm -hmm. And over a ten-year period, you'll have, you'll probably hit enough like mark like market. Well, the mar- the bigger picture market cycles seven to ten years, on average, you know. So you'd probably just be getting to see the a market cycle, but your seasonality and all of that, like you would see exactly in that ten-year plan, like what it took to sell X number of houses, and you would see the growth. And so you could apply that to your next year's goal because you know every year you know that I need this many leads to close this much business. So you can apply that conversion rate to anything. Mm-hmm. Am I making sense? Mm-hmm. It's still it's still early, so I'm I want to make sure no, I'm. I'm it, it makes sense. So, so you have to have your goal number, but you also have to have the actual. You have to. That's the the tracking part. You can write down goals all day long, but if you're not tracking what the actual number is, then right. it doesn't really matter. Um, because you don't have the important conversion parts. Uh, so let's let's talk about a little like a little bit of each one. But before I do that, one of the things like because this is a little book club, right? So one of the things I have highlighted that I think is it's important to note now is that um, you and everyone on your team need to know your key numbers at all times. And that's something I think that as I've grown a team, I've maybe struggled with a little bit. What does that mean, the key numbers? Well, so the... Like per person, you mean? Well, it could be per person, but just as a team, like as a whole. Like, okay. Like... Like the team goals? Well, yeah, for these categories. Okay. Right? Like, these are the key performance indicators of your real estate business. And so, these numbers should be really something that you guys look at and talk about regularly. And... I've struggled with that because, well, for a couple reasons. Number one, people do tend to care about their own goals, right? So like they care about their individual, you know, like I want to sell this many houses. And so you end up talking with them about their own personal goals during one-on-ones and stuff. And you might have like a big picture goal as the team, we're going to sell this many units. But really... Like this could be your team agenda. Like we're going to talk about these eight things. Mm-hmm. I've just thought of that. But um, like because it's the only thing that matters to know if you guys are on the right track. 
is how many leads did we generate this week? Are we on track? Or are we not on track? And and making it a team, like everybody's in the same mm-hmm. group, right? We're all working towards these numbers. Like how many leads did we generate? Make everybody be there and accountable to to saying it. And I've struggled with that a little bit because number one, just the tracking part can be a little bit tedious. You've got to get systems in place to track the stuff um, and make sure it's accurate. Mm-hmm. And um, and then there will always be other things that you think are more important to talk about. And so... You mean, yeah, the, like the daily... Yeah, so you like get wrapped up in other mm-hmm. things and other conversations and, and, and lose sight of really like, like this is the business and this is should be should be at the forefront of every conversation with the team like how many leads did we generate how many listings did we take this week who's talking to people that want to sell their house like making everybody a part of that process but anyways um so the first goal category the leads generated I think they put this as number one because it's like without leads, you have nothing, right? Yeah. Like it doesn't matter how much education you have or any of those things. Like if you don't have leads that you're generating, Mm -hmm. you don't have sales. And so you need to be tracking those things that that's any lead source. That's like if you're going to open houses and you register five people, that's five leads you just put into the, the system. If you get, three inquiries on one of the listings that you have this week, that's three new leads. So somebody's got to be responsible for keeping up with those numbers. And that's the part where, like I said, it's kind of tedious, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're a single agent, this could just be a reporting thing that you do for yourself at the end of every week. Like sit down. You're not going to have hundreds of leads that you have to figure out. Or you can use like a tool that most leads uh, route through. Like for example, we use um, we use Five Street to route most leads. Like if somebody contacts us through a um a website, it it it, it you it what's the word I'm looking for? It <laughs> he's shaking his head like I don't know what you're talking about. Um, it works with interacts with um compatible compatible with pretty much every lead source out there Mm -hmm. like if you're paying for leads on realtor.com or zillow or things like that it will route it in it works with other platforms um so if somebody texts for more information well we use a certain service for that and it routes it in that way too Mm -hmm. so most of the leads that are inbound incoming leads we have going through this one place so that we can really just go there and that's the number of leads. Right. Yeah. You're not checking this phone and checking that website and checking that email. It's all coming into one thing. And then you've got your other lead sources, which are, which are that you get specifically like if you're at an open house. Well, or so this is where it gets like a little bit as you grow and you have more leads coming in, it gets a little bit tricky. So those are, those are all the inbound sources that you can track through there. That helps com- like at least put them all in one place there. But then there are like what happens if um, if somebody tell like texts me today like, hey, uh, my friend wants to buy a house. Um, I sent them your information. Well, first I'm going to be like, hey, get me their information. But uh, oftentimes stuff like that can fall through the cracks and you're not accounting for all of the leads that you really have gotten. Mm-hmm. And so... So you have to have a system for that and make sure that everybody's using that system. 
So like, for example, with, um, with that kind of thing, we have a, a form. So if you get a lead from a source like that, we have a form online that you can, you know, pull up on your phone anywhere you're, you're at and you can enter that lead so that it gets counted. Mm-hmm. So then it's going to, and then the open houses are another one where it's like, we're registering people in all, all in the same place mm-hmm. through a form, not pieces of paper. Right. So we're not losing anything. First of all, we're not losing the leads, you know, because somebody loses the folder in their car somewhere. Um, and it's all in one place. So you can just go to a couple different places and you add them up and then you've got your leads. Right. I know how many leads we brought in this week from looking at two to three places. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's the first first part of this tracking that's really important. And then you're going to compare like how many how many did we say we were going to do and how many did we get? I think a lot of people and I don't I don't know. Like I feel like if you're a single agent and you're in your second third year you're listening to this podcast, I w- would like to know how many of you out there actually have goals on how many leads you're going to get this week? Or do you just say, I'm going to lead Jen and what I get, I get. That's a whole episode by itself. Yeah. Um, I just, I have a feeling that you're kind of talking above a lot of people when it comes to that kind of stuff, because I think most people don't say, okay, I need to get this many leads this week and I'm going to sit on the phone until I get one. Well, can I, I just say, I think can I just they say tell- I'm going to do my job and then at the end of the week I'll see how many leads I got. So I'll well I'll tell I'll say two things about that. Number one, I think you're right. I think I and I will say that for many years at the start of my career, I didn't have any idea how many leads I needed. I didn't know how many leads I needed. I just went out and I did activities and then yeah, I do I met open somebody house and, and I met someone and great. Like, like it's almost like this. I understand exactly what you're saying and why you do what you do. It makes perfect sense. But it's like, well, I'm going to get as many leads as I get. <laughs> like what? Like I can only do what I can do. Like, what do you what, what do you mean? I need to go out and get m- more leads. How am I supposed to do that? It's like I did the open house. I made the calls. Nobody called me back like well you, number so one now doing the, well well okay don't get me started because <laughs> I know I'm, I mean I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit but I mean I can see that that's a real simple like well thought but, process what I'm saying out uh, that it's like when you're talking about you need to get this many and this is blah, blah, blah and it's like okay well yeah it's easy for you to say you're you're a team owner you're talking about uh uh, leads coming in on text messages and people calling on this. And it's like, I'm a single agent two years in. It's like, I barely have a sphere. Um, what are you talking about? What, having Organizing my leads. I, well, all I'm saying, okay, don't get me started this early in the morning. <laughs> all I'm saying is tracking them. Yeah, I know. And I'm telling you that at the beginning, I didn't know how many leads I needed. Although I will say, if you really want to know, go out and research like lead conversion numbers, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you want to set an appointment with somebody, mm-hmm. how many people do you need to talk to about real estate? Yeah. Probably depending on your experience level and skills, I, 20 to 30. Yeah, I know. And I, I, we've talked about this and I totally understand it. I just think that what, what you're talking about, like, like how many people do you need to talk to, to like what you just said, 20 to 30 people to get a lead. No, so, to or, set an appointment. To set an appointment. I'm sorry, to set an appointment. <sighs> Um, that just that right there should be what every single person 
who gets their real estate license and they do their training ignite if you're with Keller Williams or whatever with one of these other brokerages that's that should be like in vinyl letters up above the 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 desk because it's like you have to talk to especially if you're new it's probably higher than that well it is because you're probably not talking to the right people and you don't know what to say and you don't know how to ask and you don't know how to do use your tie downs and you don't know how to use so so if you're brand new just double it go talk to 50 people about real estate and you will find somebody that has a real estate need that you can set an appointment with or get a referral for somebody who will set an appointment with you and so, but the point is, is you're just tracking how many you're getting initially so that you can determine how many you need. Yeah. Right. So if all you did was in year one, which by the way, again, you can go figure out conversion rates. You can research this stuff. I just told you. So if I need to, if I want to close 12 sales, I probably need to set 24 appointments. Mm-hmm. That's two appointments a month. And if we have to set two appointments a month. And I'm and brand to, new. And you have to talk to 50 people to set an appointment. Yeah. That's 100 people. Right. So. A month. Wait. Is that right? <laughs> I don't know. That can't be right. Your math, your math just math. Yeah. got off, off base. But the point is, if I want to set, if I want to close 12 sales as a brand new agent, I probably need to set 24 appointments. That's two appointments a month. So I need, and if I need to talk to 50 people to set one appointment, then you were correct. I would need to talk to 100 people. So now making sure you're talking to 20 people a day, 20 people a day. Isn't that funny? How like, (laughs) and and we've said a million times, like that's the 20 people a day. So if you talk to 20 people a day, now you should be talking to people that you're like doing open houses and you're getting those leads so that you can talk to people who actually might have a real estate need you. This is where you can go visit Fizbo's. Those become leads. If you get their contact information, mm-hmm. you can actually communicate with them. And those are the people that are going to lead to those results. So when, when you're new, the, you don't have any past clients and or anything like that. So you have your two main sources uh, for to look for buyers, which is open houses and sphere. Well, That's yeah, why we and make on your... the sphere so important because if what if you're doing open houses, it's like you're the it's hard to build to where you can talk to twenty people a day just off of open houses. Well, <laughs> right? I mean, eventually you'll get there, but if you're new, it's like it's going to take a long time to build it up to where you've got that many people to call that you haven't just talked to yesterday and stuff. So to build that sphere at the beginning of two hundred people of everybody you know, it shows. I mean that. If you got to talk 20 people a day, it shows you how important it is. Well, and the point being that you're, um, these are, this is what we're talking about at the beginning about talking to those people, like sitting down and making sure you have those conversations is like, it's boring. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because sometimes people don't answer and then you got to just pick up the phone and dial again and dial again. And you feel like you're not getting anywhere. Like, when is this going to pay off? And when you pick up the phone, you say to yourself in your head, when is this going to pay off? Oh, I'll make one more call. And you make one more call and the person doesn't answer. And you're like, ugh, let me go play around on my website. Right, right, right. You know. Well, okay. anyways, that's number one. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens. We got we got off track immediately. Yes. <laughs> but the point is, is that... It's morning coffee time. That's what happens. I get all jacked up and... <laughs> But I get I get what you're saying. The point is though, like the just start tracking things. If you just 
track what you're doing, mm-hmm. then you can better see what you need to do right. to you're, achieve your goals. You're building good habits too, right from the beginning. You might not know how to apply it and it might not make any sense, but eventually it will. It's like, uh, it's like uh, the karate kid. He's like, why do I have to paint this fence and sand the floor? I don't understand why I'm doing this. It makes no sense. Well, you'll see why this makes sense down the road. You'll be like, oh, I'm so glad that I've worked this into my daily routine because now I don't have to try to uh, try to do it from scratch. Yeah. Well, and when it comes to this is where like you could get really bogged down trying to create some awesome spreadsheet that has all all right. of these things. It's like just put eight things on a, a and I would recommend doing it in a spreadsheet just simply because um, you don't want to lose it. And if you write things on paper, they are easily lost. Yeah. And then you don't actually remember and you have to go waste time going to look it back up yeah. and count it's, it uh, up the again. The spreadsheet is a spreadsheet <laughs> for a reason. It's easy to update. Don't keep it in your no- Don't keep in notes. And it, just, and it just has eight yeah. things written, eight rows. Leads is number one. How many leads did you get this week? Put it in. Next week, how many leads did you get? Put it in. And then let's qualify a lead real quick because I think that's sort of important. Um, sort of. I'm kidding. Well, you know you know what? We don't have time for that. All right, let's move on. <laughs> we don't have time to Number go. Number two. We don't have time to go down that road. But um, let's just say that a lead isn't, is not your sphere. Like, if you have you're, a You're com- doing it. Okay, I'm sorry. You're but doing it. I just... <laughs> I know. I feel like it's important. All right. Go, let's go ahead. Go ahead and explain it and then we'll take a break. Okay. Oh my gosh. You know what? It really is its own episode. It it really is like understand the difference between a contact, a dial. Yeah, we've done that episode. Have we? Yes. Okay, we'll go find that episode where we explain like what's the difference between talking to somebody. Yeah. What's the difference between a lead and a contact and a uh uh well, that's it. A lead and a contact. Okay. Let me just real quick, really, really quickly. Okay. Oh my God. Okay. When you pick up the phone or you attempt to have an interaction with someone, that's a dial. So that means if I'm in an open house and I attempt to get somebody's contact information, they walk through the door and I attempt to get their contact information and they, they shut down and they're like, no, nah, I don't want to give it. And they walk around the house and leave. I call that a dial. I had an opportunity to have a conversation, to have a contact with somebody, but I didn't. Um, So if I pick up the phone and I dial someone and they don't answer, that's also a dial. So anytime I attempt to have a conversation, but I, and, and, and I either do or I don't, it doesn't matter. It's a dial. Mm -hmm. If I do have a conversation and I talk about real estate and I ask them if they have a real estate need in any way, contact right so now we know if you're tracking how many dials do you need to make before you get a contact so a contact though what the reason i bring this up is a contact when we talk about like in 20 people if you're having conversations you're making Mm -hmm. 20 contacts Mm -hmm. with people asking about real estate you should have a referral or an appointment right so now we know how many dials do you need to make to make a contact we know and then you know how many contacts do you need to make to set an appointment and then you know how many appointments do you need to have a close. This is where the the and, people listening to the podcast are like, mm, okay. <laughs> Stop. I mean, it makes it, this all makes sense, though. And if you're tracking it, then it's easy to see like what you need to do. So, and b- that's the biggest problem with with uh, a, a 
a realtor who's trying to get started is what do I do? I don't know what to do. There's no there's no book. Oh, there is a book. There is a book. There's a book. It's got everything in it. But okay, so when you have a contact, you're 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 calling people, you're going out, you're meeting people, and you're having conversations. The conversation about real estate is the contact. Have enough of those and you set an appointment. So in those conversations, though, some of those people are leads, mm-hmm. but not all of them are leads, mm-hmm. right? I can talk to 20 people today and absolutely zero of them have a need for real estate. Mm-hmm. I don't have any leads just because I talked to 20 people, but it's important to have conversations because that's when you shake out a lead. Mm-hmm. So when you're when you're talking to people, you're looking for referrals or a lead, so if I meet somebody in an open house, they come in, I I meet them, I talk to them, I get their contact information, I got a lead. Mm-hmm. I've got their contact info, they came to the open house, so they should have some sort of interest in real estate or they wouldn't be there. I like that you said you're looking for a referral or a lead, too, because I've heard, you know, and I know, it's like I'm a young agent, I'm in my mid-20s, oh, I'm not going to call so-and-so, they don't have any money. I know they're they're not they're I know them they're my friends they're not looking to buy a house oh, yeah. so I'm not going to call them. Well, you're not looking for a lead from them. You're looking for a referral. You know what so, else I've heard though is like, well, they don't know anybody. Right? How dare you make those judgments on those people? You they, don't know who they know. We all know the same people. It's like it's like those are all excuses. It's yeah, like you're looking. Yeah. So okay, I felt like I had to clarify that. <laughs> Yeah. And now we're out of time. <laughs> well, we do have to take a break. Okay, let's take a break. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. The Think Look B team is an Orlando-based real estate team with Keller Williams Realty at the Parks. We operate as a boutique-style company with the resources of the largest real estate company behind us. Think Look B is looking for talented people like you to join our team. If you happen to live in the Orlando area and you're a detail-oriented quick learner, then we might have a place for you. Whether you're a real estate agent or administrative professional, we are looking for individuals who are ready to work hard and ready for success. If you're ready to join the team, visit us at thinklivebee.com. And we're back. Okay. So the second goal category of the MREA, the Millionaire Real Estate Agent, is listings. So, and this is something that, um, again, I think if I look back in time, before I read this book, I, I did not do do this correctly. And so that set up the, the, you know, that sort of sets up your business from the very beginning. So that's why I think it's so important to read this and, and really try to build the systems in here mm-hmm. from the as early on as you can. Because your business really should be built around seller listings. And the number of listings that you need is what you need to be tracking. So now you might say, well, I don't know the answer to that. When we get further into the book, there's the economic model, which is literally like a a, a model of how many listings do you need to sell the number of units or the income that you desire. And it also pumps out like it's a spreadsheet too that, um, you know, literally you can Google it. But when we get into it, I'll talk more about it because it's my favorite thing because you can put in like, I want to make this much money or I want to sell this many houses and it will pump out the number of buyer you're sales. Say, and You're saying the spreadsheet's fun. The spreadsheet is fun. Oh, break-evens? Break <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> man, this episode's really making me sound like a nerd. 
Um, yeah, it's this, it's this, this episode. episode. <laughs> okay. So anyway, but if in the spreadsheet, the economic model is really clear that what drives everything in that is the seller listings. And I wish if I could go back in time, I wish I would have clearly understood the importance of seller listings and allowed myself to get out of fear and worrying about calling FISBOs and expireds. Because when I started in real estate, um, like, okay, the do not call did exist, but like it was very, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Limited? No. Uh, well, maybe. Maybe that's... Uh, the point is that calling was normal. Right. Like, ev- and, yeah, and I don't mean, and I don't mm-hmm. mean spam. Like mm-hmm. we all get spam now. Mm-hmm. We all get these calls that say spam risk and telemarketer. And yeah. so we don't answer Unknown. the phone. Yeah. Right. But when I got in, like that, that didn't exist. That cell phone technology. People, people still had home phones. Yeah. You could call them and reach them in the evening when they were sitting there yeah. watching TV. Yeah. And. Watching their square TVs. <laughs> Okay, with the, I'm, I'm not with that the, old. Yeah. Okay. Um, but the point is that I, I wish I would have yeah. like really focused on that listing side from the very beginning. But but yeah, what it's was hard, the, hard to do as a new agent because it's I outside of the difficulty of getting them because you're like, well, why would they work with me? I don't have any experience and all of that stuff. It's um, there's a fear of being responsible for selling someone's house. It's different when you, I, w- I think it's a, a natural thing and the easiest path of resistance um, to say, I'm going to show a house to somebody, figure out how to write a contract and move on with my day versus listing appointment and then being responsible for selling this house. You know what? I was just thinking back. I was thinking through some of my first sellers uh-huh. and I was like, maybe I actually did by the way, or maybe it was just the market, well, but I did have some, some. You were also in a, a time when there were lots more listings, lots more listings happening. Yeah, right. It was, the, true. it was the downfall where, where it's like, oh, this one's bank owned. That one's bank owned. That one's bank owned. That's in foreclosure. It's like every every single house was like that. So getting that people were selling left and right. It was like, well, so but I'm thinking about some of my early on sellers and it's like my first listing was a for sale by owner. Yeah. And that experience led me to say, yeah. pay for someone. No, I'm, well, just, I'm just kidding. Yes. And but, but that's because there was a time now people think they can sell their house because a lot of times they can. Well, it's a, it's a, it's totally, a totally different, different market. It's a different market. It's a different thing. There are different tools for them to use. Like it well, literally was like they could stick We're, a sign in the yard and that was it. Yeah. There was no Maybe Zillow. they could put it on Craigslist. Yeah. That's what people did. They put it on Craigslist. <laughs> there was no, there was no Zillow. There was no Facebook. I am, this is there like was, really kind of weird that I'm, I, yeah. I don't feel like I'm that old, but I'm like, wow, it was such a different time. Yeah, people didn't, really think people about didn't have smartphones really. Like they had, you know, it's like you those Nokia phones and and stuff. It's like that was so yeah. It was a, a totally different experience. But if I would have just focused on that and not and what here's what happens is that you start to meet buyers because buyers right. are easier to get because you're doing open houses. Yeah, so you're right? meeting buyers, and you of course you need to make money. You're not going to turn away a buyer who's of ready, course. willing, able. So you get busy. You get busy with buyers, and then listings. You're still doing activities, but you're just not focused on that as a like a main category of right, your you're business. You're looking at getting clients so you can get paid. Right, and and anywhere so if they a, come, anywhere if they there's come. a seller, great. Right, 
if there's a buyer, sure, why not? Mm-hmm. Um, but if, you know, looking back at this and realizing that this is this is here, this is in the eight goal categories for a reason because mm-hmm. listings still to this day are the biggest opportunity for more business. They are still like one of our number one lead sources yeah. is from our listings yeah. still to this day. Mm-hmm. If we put a listing active we get signed calls, we get internet leads, we get text for more info, we have open house opportunities yeah. that we have control in of fact, marketing. In fact, because of technology, you probably get way more than you would have because the before, because there's more ways to contact you. Yeah. So understand like leads are important and you're going to track the number of leads that are coming in and then you're going to track the number of sellers that you have at all times. And eventually you'll know, like, I need this many sellers to sell this many homes. They talk about this later in the book, but um, this has this this is something I think you have to work at. And over the last couple of years has maybe been difficult to achieve. But for every seller listing, you should get potentially two pieces of business out of that listing, mm-hmm. but two additional pieces of business. And the reason I say the last couple of years that may not have happened. So if you got in in the last couple of years, you're like, no way. I didn't get any business from my listings. Because it was on the market for six hours. Yeah. If you list the property and it's it's pending. In fact, you a lot of times, I know now, because of the way the market is, strategically place that listing on the market so that there can be an open house that first Saturday Adjusting so that we can try to get business from it. We're not going to list the house on well, Monday and have it be a, a, or whatever and have it or you know what I mean. Yeah, so. but it's a win-win. It's it's not just for us. It's for the of course. It's for the seller. Yeah, because I know that in more, order to get the best offer, they need through. They need some exposure to the market. Yeah, the first offer people is not li- always the best. List the house on a Monday. You know, I used to in in in. Or, in a previous market, I had heard the the first offer is always the best. Well, that was in a time where there was thousands of listings for sale, like th- like tens of thousands of listings for sale. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, that's probably true in that market. Yeah. In a market like this, where there's not many options, mm-hmm. the first offer is not always the best. In fact, most of the time it's not. Most of the time it's some investor that throws out a lowball offer and then the next offer <laughs> might right. be the best. Yeah. Or if you give it enough time, you can generate several offers. Yeah, you got to find that that razor's edge, because if you wait too long, yeah, then the then they start saying what's wrong with this house. The the yeah, the, it's essentially a week find- in 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 this market, right? Every market is different. It's a week to two weeks. If you don't have an offer and have it pending by then, then it starts to look bad. Yeah. So then then your first offer that you got might have been your best offer. But the point is that listings can really help grow your business if you focus on the number of listings you're taking. So setting that goal, not that you're not going to set a buyer goal, but that this one's more important. In fact, it says in the book that like, honestly, if you choose to track only two areas of your business, track your leads and your listings, if you do nothing else. Right. So, um, so that, that one's super important. The, um, The third goal category is contracts written. So, you know, I I used to not be 100% sure 
if they meant um, like literally how many contracts you write or how many pendings. And it, I really think that it's, um, that it's pending, but it's actually not clear, <laughs> but I, I believe that it's pending. So why would you? Because contracts written could be not accepted. And so it doesn't. Yeah. Is that what that mean? Is that what you mean? Yeah. So it's it says contracts written, but I believe they mean pending sales. Mm-hmm. Right. And and so why do we need to track the number of pending sales we have? Because not all of them close. Mm-hmm. Not all deals that go pending close. And, but if you and you if you track all of this and look back over at a six month period or a year period, then you will know how many didn't close, <laughs> right? And then you can judge. It's a, it just makes it easier for you to get to that last one so that you know how many pendings you need to have to get your the the numbers that you want, the sales that you want. You know, when I said, okay, if you're a new agent and you want to do 12 units, you probably need to set 24 appointments. Mm-hmm. That's because all of the in-between stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm just like backing out those other conversions, mm-hmm. right? If in order to t- close 12, you maybe need to pend... 14. I'm I'm just making I'm kind of making up numbers here yeah. in my head, but if you need to pend 14, you probably need to take 18. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And then you need to set or I'm sorry, hold 22. Yeah. And you need to set 24. Cuz you you're you're you've got listings where you can't negotiate on the thing and then the, the you know the the sellers like uh yeah, we changed our mind or whatever, and then you and then it doesn't sell, or the, you've got buyers who say, <laughs> "I'll just I'll do this part because you're just." Don't... Well, you got buyers who who <laughs> say, uh, "Yeah, we just you know the job didn't come through, so we're not going to buy a house," and you know yeah. people well, ghost you saying, and well, what you're saying is when you set an appointment, they don't always show up, and the appointment isn't always held. That's yes, I'm saying that. I'm also saying there's plenty of times where you go and show buyers who sign your your uh, engagement letter and start looking at houses and then say, yeah, we changed our mind. We're not going to buy a house anymore. So you're talking about when you take a client, they don't always write an offer. Right. (laughs) So when you set an appointment, they don't always show up. Right. When you actually, they do show up, they don't always sign your agreement to work together. Right. When you do sign an agreement to work together, they don't always write an offer on something. Right. Or accept an oh, offer. Not, yeah, the bank said we could get this much money, but I guess we can't. Yeah. <laughs> right? And then, I mean, it's like, and those are always big blows. Any one of those three things Wait, the last you one just you said. Wait, the last one you just said is that something that goes pending doesn't always necessarily close. Right. So there's various things between set and close that happen mm-hmm. that, um, and, and- And they all suck. <laughs> they all suck. Well, and a lot of it you have- these are things where as you're tracking, this is why it's so important, as you're tracking, you can see where your problem areas are. Right. Right. If I, if I set 50 appointments, mm-hmm. but I only close 10 sales this year, yeah. somewhere in the middle right. there, I've you got can, an issue. Yeah. If you keep looking and it's like, wow, most of these are like from engagement letter or most of these are people who don't show up to the appointment. Or whatever. Then you, if it's if they don't show up for the appointment, then you know that you have a problem. We've got we've got a few we've got a few minutes. Okay. Um, <laughs> if if they don't show up for the appointment, then you ha- know you have a problem with qualification, with qualifying, 
right? So it's like, right. that's Did why you we- quali- Yeah, so so you can determine at what stage do you need to practice your scripts and dialogues. Right. Or let's say you find that, well, you're, you're setting a bunch of appointments, you're taking a bunch of clients, you're showing houses and you're writing offers, but offers aren't getting accepted. You need to educate yourself about the market. Yeah. If the offers are getting accepted and all of them are falling through because of inspections, you need to educate yourself on how to have expectation setting conversations with buyers about what, to, what about what what, a, what an inspection right. is. Or if they're all falling through for financing, well, you need to get a better lender partner it's, you, or make sure that these people are properly qualified. And you might say to yourself, well, I can keep all that track of all that in your head. And you might be able to, to a certain degree, but it's always good to have it down. But you can probably see how from Catherine's perspective of as a team owner, why it's so important for buyer's agents who come in at all different experience levels to track all of this stuff so that she can say, oh, so-and-so isn't closing, um, isn't, isn't all of these people are canceling all the appointments that they're setting. Okay, well, now I can look and see where the problem is, and then we can fix that problem. We can work on their scripts or whatever it is. You can see how, as a, as a team, why, why it's so important. But it's, it's, good, it's a good habit to start as a single agent. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you need to know those things because you're, um, I mean, okay, maybe it's just me, but I think everybody can resonate. I mean, you're listening to a podcast called Seeking, Your Be- Seeking the Best. If you want to do better in your job and who wouldn't, right? You want to make more money. You want to grow as a professional. These numbers help you see where you need to get better education, better scripts, better dialogues, like whatever it is that you need to improve on is in these numbers. And so tracking them allows you to see that really clearly. And and at the end of the day, it could also go all the way back to like, you just don't have enough leads. You know, you're not doing enough activities to generate enough leads to have the right amount of conversations. But the point is that each each of these goal categories allows you to see where you can improve. So we're we're only going to cover one. Actually, yeah, we'll only cover one more because I think that the next yeah. two are kind of intensive. OK, let's do one more and then we'll pick up again next week. Yeah, and do the last four we got. We got halfway. But I feel like it was all worth it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> So, the, you know, just keep making calls. <laughs> <laughs> so the fourth category, the fourth goal category of the MREA is contracts closed. This one's kind of obvious, right? You need to know how many closings you're having because it's ultimately like that is your business, right? Like you can't really set a goal for income without knowing how many units you have to close to get there. Mm-hmm. It is it is a core goal. Like it is one of the things that I look at regularly is how many closings have we had and how many are we trying to get? Where are, where are closings at? I probably look at that more than anything else and because it, it drives it drives every it drives everything else mm-hmm. that we're going to talk about next week. It it drives your budget and and those like you're hiring. Well, we're going to talk about budget next week. <laughs> I promise that I won't bore you to death okay. with budgets. Thanks for promising our listeners you won't bore them to death. <laughs> I'll keep it really brief on the budget part. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, you know what, Pat? You're- I do want to tell you that people do want to know about budgets. I know. <laughs> I actually was in a meeting this week and um, somebody asked, said something about 
money and, and tracking and stuff. And, and I said, oh, I actually teach a class called Budget Like a Boss. And she was very interested in that. <laughs> Just wanted you to know. I, I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah, so, so you're going to track the number of closings. That one's probably pretty easy. If you're doing this, like as a single agent, just time block. You don't need a lot of time to do this. It should be just a quick thing that you do maybe on a Friday. Like this is your Friday checkout report. And then when you hire an administrative person, it's their Friday checkout report. Mm -hmm. And so how many closings did you have this week? You're going to know if you're a single agent. Right. How, if Did you attend a closing? Yeah. <laughs> if and you, you can see why if you are a team owner and you've got six buyers agents and us and a listing specialist why it's so important to have them all fill out this have it have it all out so that Catherine on Saturday morning can have her coffee and sit on the back porch and and go over the numbers and not have to contact everyone individually and ask them well so as we <laughs> it's easy to track everything and keep yourself organized as we've progressed and as you have other team members um, our transaction coordinator actually fills out a report mm -hmm. on Friday. And then that report tells me how many new pendings, how many closings, because in, in, in we're not a, a huge business. Like there's businesses, expansion right. businesses. It's like, you can't keep track of all of those things unless people are reporting their numbers to somebody central. So that's the same thing yeah. is like, if, if a buyer's agent puts something under contract, I might know about it because I see that person and, and, I'm, in the office, and I'm in the yeah. office and stuff. But I don't, I don't want to remember that. I don't want to take up the brain power to remember Everybody's, or have to where ask. Where everyone is on everything, yeah. Yeah. When, when they submit a new file, it goes to the transaction coordinator. So then the transaction coordinator, is, is they're the, the front line of that, right? They know how many pendings happened this week. They know how many closings happened because they had to prepare for it. So then that person is the one reporting to me. And so... I don't have to track down those numbers. So eventually you get to a point where when you have leverage and support, somebody else is doing the Friday report. Mm -hmm. But I think that's just a good place to put it is like Friday at, you know, 1 p.m. I'm going to check my numbers and yeah. I'm just going to put it in this spreadsheet. And that's that's number four. Okay. And then we'll cover the other four next week. Okay. Sounds good. Ladies and gentlemen, the question you are about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Question from the web. Is it ethical to send out marketing materials with just sold homes where you weren't part of the transaction? Assuming you use your own photography, not stealing the MLS photos, and you do not claim or imply that you sold it. I'm thinking more along the lines of, did you know 123 Real Estate Ave recently sold for X? Give me a call to see how I can help you get similar results. I'm not trying to start an argument. I'm a new agent looking for ways to prospect, and I'm genuinely curious as to whether or not this is okay. Okay. Are you sure we didn't do this one? Yeah. Okay. Sounds familiar. <laughs> um... Okay, my my quick thoughts on this. Um, yes, it, you're allowed to like report market data and sales in your neighborhood. Just never imply that it was yours. And you can do that. I think the question posed, did, did you know that XYZ Main Street, 123 Main Street sold? That's a good way to do it. Um, you're not in any way implying that you sold it. But then also I would take an extra step 
to make sure that it says like um, something about, you know, based on MLS data or whatever, you know, provided by or the sale completed by XYZ real estate company. It can be in small print, but just again, you don't want to imply that it was your sale in any way, shape or form. Um, yeah. And then the other thing, I think they said in the question, like they're not using the photo. Right. Like that would definitely be a, a, a problem. Right. And and I have had people do that before. Yeah. And I, I get pissed because it's my photo. <laughs> but I've had people do. I actually had an agent in our office and um, she used two of my sales. And I didn't say anything. This is years ago. I didn't say anything to the agent because I have better things to do with my time. But you do want to be careful. Um, it is not your listing to advertise. They're not your photos. They they do not belong to you. And you should not use any descriptive words. Anything from that listing doesn't belong to you. But you're certainly able to report market data. Yeah, that's just yeah, that's just generic information yeah, that and, you got from MLS, right? So or or whatever. It's yeah. like that's yeah, but you and, can't can't you can't use any of their creativity. So if they said that it's a a beautiful bungalow in the heart of X, right? You can't, and that's the how they started their yeah, their description. You can't just pull from their description and put it in your. No, the other thing is, is if if you want to advertise, like you absolutely can just go ask the agent for permission too. Like most if, of them will say. Yeah, I don't I don't think I would have a problem with it unless it was like in my farm area and I was doing the same exact postcard. And right. I'm like, well, let's not get confused about who actually sold this here. Right. Right. Um, but other than that, and, and then the other thing is like maybe do more than one be, or, or, or make it sound like um, like, hey, one, two, three Main Street down the street just sold. That may have affected your home value. Are you thinking about moving yeah. or and, something? And more and we there is something to be said for people wanting to sell their house on the same street that another house sold. But if you're if you think you're going to just make a, a postcard and send it well, out, that's a whole nother episode. Yeah. <laughs> small win, cat. What's your small win this week? You know, it's it's sad, but it's just the truth. Oh, no. um, <laughs> I did a bunch of laundry and cleaning on Sunday. I had a, a long work day on Saturday um, and I really wanted to do laundry and clean and just get set up for the week. And so I made time on Sunday and I did yeah. so many loads of laundry and yeah. it still wasn't done. It's still not done. <laughs> I was I like, know. when's the last all, time we did laundry in this house? I know. It's hard because the laundry room is up on the second floor and it's a pain to go up there. And <laughs> We're, do lazy. We're lazy. And then my small win is uh, I got a new car this week. Oh, yeah. So I've been driving a F-150 pickup truck for years and years and years. It's a 1995 and um, I love the truck and stuff, but things have started to break on it to such a point that it's going to cost too much. So we went out and I got a Jeep. So I'm a Jeep guy now. <laughs> He's the Jeep guy now. It's pretty cool. It's pretty nice. like driving a go-kart, a little two-door two uh, Jeep Sahara. So And I negotiated we negotiated the hell out of that. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but well, I did get us a deal. We d you did get a deal. Yeah. I did. We did knock knock a few bucks off of it. 
So, yes, I'm very happy about that. Remember to rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps new listeners to find us. Send your questions from the web to onseekingthebest at gmail.com. All info is in the show notes, including how to send us a voicemail. And for Kat and myself, thanks for listening, and we'll figure this all out next week. Bye. This has been a Think Live Be production.